0: father this morning we thank you for the greatness of who you are god we thank you for the ways that you've shown up in our lives that uh, just at the right time just in the right way we thank you for the greatness of who you are god we thank you for the greatness of who you are that you would see such incredible value in every single person that's here this morning lord even no matter what we've done no matter where we've been that you would look at us as treasure precious thank you for the greatness of who you are, God, that you would see that in us. Now, Lord, as we open up your word, as we're challenged by your word, God, I pray, Lord, that each one here, by the power of your spirit, would come to see the greatness of who you are in their own lives. Lord, that we wouldn't be a people that keeps trying to do things ourselves. We think about you every once in a while, throw you a Hail Mary pass, but you're not central to us. Lord, may you, the great God, be the center of our lives, of all that we think, of all that we do, of all that we say. And Lord, that we, when we live that way, when we live as you at the center, God, that you would empower us in ways we've never before experienced. So God, this morning we rely on you. We ask you to speak. Help us to listen. Help us to hear and respond. We pray these things, Lord, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, it is good to see you all here this morning. And i got to tell you what, I in the, in the middle of the worship, I just felt that uh, God would want me to say a few things to you. There are some here this morning, you are caught in the middle of a situation you don't know the way out of. You're incredibly discouraged. You don't know what the next step should be, what it even might be. You're confused. You're lost. There are others here this morning that you're numb. You're numb because you face these things in your life. You you somehow maybe made it through partially, and yet you feel like there's body parts that have been left behind. You're numb, and you're just kind of making your way through life. God doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want confusion for you. He doesn't want you to live in that state of numbness. He wants to heal you today. He wants to do a work in your life today. And there are others, when I'm saying these things, you have no idea what I'm even talking about. Because you haven't really faced something so significant in your life yet. You've seen other people go through things, but it really hasn't impacted your own life. And if that's you this morning as well, I believe God wants to speak to you today to prepare you for the road ahead. Prepare you for the journey ahead. Because the reality is that every single day of our lives, we face giants. Every day, giants in our homes, giants in our workplaces, giants everywhere that we go. And because these giants come to us and they're much larger than we're able to kind of handle on our own, we get intimidated by them, we grow in fear in the face of them, and we get confused, we can get lost. Giants, they show up, like I said, different shapes and sizes. For some, you're facing the giant of divorce right now. You've, you've gone through it or you're going through it. It's difficult for you. Some might have received a report of cancer or something else in your life. The loss of a job. A wayward child in your life. See, these are the kind of giants that we face in our lives. And yet one thing we're going to learn today, and I think there's a lesson in it for all of us here today, is we're going to learn from David. And he's going to teach us really what a game changer is all about. You see, game changers exemplify a giant-sized faith. A giant-sized face. So you don't need to be intimidated by that giant. You don't need to run away in fear. You don't need to hide. Because God has given you all that you need to not only stand up against that situation in your life, but see it come tumbling down. That's what we're going to learn here today as we take a look at David. So I encourage you, please open your Bibles. First Samuel chapter 17. First Samuel chapter 17. We're going to take a look at this game-changer, David, and how he impacts our lives. And he's going to impact us today. And so let's open up our uh, up the Bible. And as we do, I want to kind of paint the scene for you. Because you know it well, you've heard it before, but uh, just trust me, you've, we've all missed points along the way when it comes to this story. Just trust me in that. And so on one hill, what we have is the armies of Israel. These are the ones, of course, who worship the one true living God, the same God that we worship. They are encamped there, but they're encamped in fear. Why? Because on the other opposing hill, we have the Philistine army. These people are relentless. They're always trying to tear Israel down. And in the middle of these two opposing hills, what we have is this valley. The valley in the middle is the valley where the battle is to be fought. And so what we find here is that in the valley one day, This giant steps out, and he issues a challenge. Take a look at verse 8, 1 Samuel 17. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So Goliath is issuing a man-on-man, one-on-one challenge. And whatever man won, so too would his army. In fact, the Bible tells us that this challenge went out for 40 days. Why 40 days? You don't need to live very long to realize that giants of fear will torment us over and over and over and over again in attempts to wear us down, to knock us down, to discourage us. And so in the face of this situation, where's David? Where is this game changer? He's about 15 miles away. He's tending his sheep while his three brothers, of course, are serving in the Israelite army. And his father then comes to David, he's concerned about his three brothers, and he sends them on an errand to go see really how they're doing. And so on the 41st day of this challenge, David makes his way to that mountainside where the army is encamped there. And I want you to imagine this scene. He shows up, he sees all the soldiers there. And he makes his way, he's hearing all this commotion, not knowing what in the world's going on. So he's a kid, he wants to find out, he's curious. And so he pushes one person aside after another, eventually gets to the front of the line. And it's there that he sees this valley before him, and the Philistine army encamped on the hill far away. And he begins now to have conversation, trying to figure out what in the world's going on. And the Bible tells us in verse 23 that as he was talking with him, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Think about this. David's talking to these soldiers and suddenly Goliath comes out. He roars, right? And suddenly these soldiers he's talking to, they go running. They're going to their tents to hide. And now we find David, this shepherd boy, facing his Goliath, For the very first time. Now when you stop to think about it. You just kind of step back from the situation. The reality is these soldiers. Didn't really need to fight Goliath. David really didn't need to fight Goliath. The fight should have been had by Saul the king. Saul was the king. He was the one who should have faced Goliath. Not only was he their leader of course. But the Bible says that Saul stood. Head and shoulders taller than everyone else. He was the man. And even though he had all these attributes, he didn't have a heart that beat for God. As a result, when he saw Goliath, he saw something much too large for him. Because he wasn't walking with God, when Saul looked at Goliath, he saw a mountain. But when David saw Goliath, because of his faith, he saw an anthill. And why is that possible? Because of David's giant size faith. David had a strategic, giant size faith. Do you? Are you walking in that kind of faith today? Are you getting blown away by that giant in your life? Are you getting discouraged? Are you numb? And I want to encourage you to embrace the faith of David. He's going to live this out for us, and he's going to teach us. Take a look. First lesson here we're going to see. Verse 26. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? First lesson from David is this. A giant-sized faith starts with faith-filled questions. Think about that. A giant-sized faith starts with faith-filled questions. Our questions reveal a lot about us. What we ask reveals what's going on in our hearts, friends. The reality is our questions reveal our faith. They determine if we see our giants as something that's huge and significant or something much smaller. You see, people who are weak in faith, they'll ask their questions. They'll ask questions like this. You know, why is this happening to me? Why am I always the one? What did I do to deserve this? Those are the questions that someone weak in faith will ask. Someone who is strong in faith, they'll ask questions, but faith-filled questions. God, how can I join you in the situation in my life? Or Satan, do you know how quickly God can thwart your plan? That's a faith-filled question. And David's question, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You see, friends, when we face trouble in our lives, our questions should not be ones of doubt, but ones of expectation. After all, there is no problem too big that our God cannot solve it. Our questions reveal our faith. So I want you to take a look at yourself. What questions have been going on up here? You may not have verbalized them, but what have you been thinking, these questions in your mind? How could you turn those questions around to make them faith-filled questions? Because a giant-sized faith, it starts with these questions, these faith-filled questions. Verse 28. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with with the men, he, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? That's an insult, by the way. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Second lesson from David. A giant-sized faith stays the course when others doubt. A giant-sized faith stays the course when others doubt. David is facing a bunch of doubt coming from his brother Eliab. Do you remember this guy, Eliab? Do you remember him at all? Because when Samuel the prophet came to Jesse's house looking for that future king of Israel, he saw Eliab and he said, surely the Lord's anointed stands before the Lord. He was the obvious choice to be king because he was tall, he was handsome, he was strong. But he missed one important feature, he didn't have a heart that beat for God. As a result, when he saw something significant, it was way too big for him. And so the man that most thought would be king actually responded to his brother David with two accusatory questions. First, what purpose could a boy serve when a man is required for this job? And do you not know your place? You are a boy. You are a shepherd. Go back to the hillside. Tend to your sheep. You're not up for this. Friends, when you stand in faith against a problem in your life, sometimes even your own family members will think you're downright nuts. They might say things that discourage you, which will raise a little defensiveness in you naturally. It did for David. He responds, now what have I done, said David, can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been a fighting man from his youth. Yet more doubt. Eliab, he doubts David's motives. Saul now, he doubts David based on his outward appearance. He finds David, of course, too short on experience and too short in height to measure up to the task. Doubt was surrounding David trying to get him to back down sadly enough, friends, this happens many times in our Christian walk with other Christians. Many times we'll hear a Christian stand up in faith against something and inside up here, we're doubting. We may not say the words, but we're doubting. Somebody will stand up in faith and we'll think, oh yeah, it's really nice to hear you say that God has made, you know, his power is made perfect in weakness. But the reality is I, I can't see anything good coming from that situation. And we may not say it, and we think we're doing good for not saying it, but the reality is the other person can sense your doubt. They can feel your doubt, because in reality, you're not standing with them. Somebody else speaks up, and you respond. You say, well, it's nice to hear you say that you're trusting God for a job, but the reality is it's hard to get a job in this economy. Friends, let me ask you, and this is where we get numb many times. Have words from important people in your life discouraged you? And they cause you to doubt yourself. Doubt who you are. Doubt how God's gifted you. Doubt God's call on your life. Have words from important people in your life discourage you. Well, then learn from David today. A giant sized faith stays the course when others doubt. Remember, God has called you, He has equipped you, and He never fails. So step out in what God has given you. Giant sized faith starts with faith filled questions, and then it stays the course. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Third lesson from David. A giant-sized faith builds on God's past provision. This is one for me, right here. A giant-sized faith builds on God's past provision. You see, David had a faith-filled memory. He didn't forget even one time when God stepped up for him. And as a result of seeing what God had done for him in the past, when he faced something in the present, it didn't seem so huge. Is that how we live? Is that how we live, really? Chuck Swindoll, he wrote, So often when facing our own giants, we forget what we ought to remember and we remember what we ought to forget. We remember our defeats and forget our victories. Most of us can recite the failures of our lives in vivid detail, but we're hard-pressed to name the specific, remarkable victories God has pulled off in our past. Friends, David's faith-filled memory gave him such a faith-filled outlook that Saul could not deny its power. As a result of David's faith in God, Saul was willing to put his faith in David. So here's what I want you to do. Let's be honest, sometimes we're in church and the you know, pastor said something, this would be a good thing for you to do, and, oh, that's kind of a nice thought. You know, yeah, that, that's good, and then you go home and you don't do it. Okay, let's be honest, that happens. There's at least five or six of you in here that that's happened to. Uh, here's the deal, I want you to go home. Take time to do this, take time to do this. Take out a sheet of paper and write down all the various ways that God has stepped up for you in the past. Yesterday I took 20 minutes just praying and giving God thanks. Thank you for stepping up for me here. Thank you for seeing me through this. And just recounting all the various ways that I could think of how God had stepped up for me. Go home, write these things down, and then fold it up, put it in your wallet or your purse, and next time you're faced with a Goliath in your life, you haul that thing out, you open it, and you read it, and you remind yourself of what God has done for you. Because a giant-sized faith, it builds on God's past provision. Let's stop being a forgetful people and be mindful of all that God has done because what you remember and what he's done will empower you, friends. Verse 38, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Fourth lesson from David. A giant-sized faith will not fit in a box. It will not fit in a box. You see, we like to go back to our bag of tricks, haul out what worked for us before, and try to apply it to our current situation. A giant-sized faith will not fit in a box. God cannot be fit in a box Let's stop trying. Remember, friends, that not all problems are solved the same way. See, Saul's past experience told him that David needed armor fit for a king when all David needed was five stones made by the king. Saul's past experience told him that David needed a sword made for the kill when all David needed to do was trust in God's will. You see, David knew that although he had been anointed the future king of Israel, he could not operate in the same manner as the king who currently sat on the throne. Saul's reign was founded on human wisdom, but David's future reign would be founded on godly wisdom. And it was godly wisdom that told him to be himself. A humble shepherd boy. You see, in our weakness, friends, God is glorified. God doesn't need our talents, he doesn't need our abilities, he doesn't need our strengths. But what he does need, more than anything else, is our trust. Do you trust him? Do you trust him really? Because when we trust God, he will empower us for the task in front of us. So what do you need to trust God for right now? Name it right now in your mind. What do you need to trust God for right now? A giant-sized faith will not fit in a box. Stop trying to operate in the same way because God is up to something new in your life. Take a look at verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. Fifth lesson from David. A giant-sized faith knows the battle is the Lord's. Stop trying to fight this thing on your own. Are you trusting God? Are you putting your faith in God? Because the battle is the Lord's. And David knew this. In fact, when you take a look at the account here, it's clear that David didn't brag about what he was going to do to Goliath. He bragged about what God was going to do through him to Goliath. Important distinction, friends. And thousands of years later, friends, if you're a follower of Christ, it means you got bragging rights. you got bragging rights. You can join with David and boast about the power of our God. But are you boasting about the power of God? Are you standing in the power of God? Are you walking in the power of God? Or are you running away? Are you numb? You feel like you're blown over by that giant in your life. David was standing in the power of God. And that's why, after hearing Goliath's intimidating words, David responded three times by calling on the name of the Lord because he knew it wasn't in his strength he could do this. And then, after calling on the name of the Lord, he acted upon his faith filled words. Take a look. your flesh to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. It, Lord, so be it. So, what spiritual stones are you going to use against your Goliath in your life? stones are you going to use? Allow me to suggest just a few. How about the stone of Isaiah chapter 54 verse 17? No weapon forged against me will prevail. I will refute every tongue that accuses me. This is my heritage as a servant of the Lord. How about using that stone against your Goliath? Or how about the stone of Luke chapter 10 verse 19? In Jesus name I will trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm me. How about using that stone against your enemy? Or how about James chapter 4, verse 7? Satan, I resist you in Jesus' name. Now flee. How about using that stone against the Goliath in your life? Because, friends, if we stand in faith, rooted in faith, knowing that God is able and we stand on God's word, we are going to see more than you can possibly imagine or think in your life. Do you want that for yourself? Do you want that as you follow Christ? That's what I want for you. That's what I want for you. So how do you live in that faith? Well, we've heard some lessons along the way. But friends, remember one thing that's paramount. We've got to know God's word. You've got to know God's word. If you're facing your Goliath, you don't know God's word. You're kind of powerless. So learn these stones, create a few more of your own, and go to Scripture and say, you know what, I'm not buying this any longer. I'm not going to live in fear any longer. I'm not going to tremble any longer. I'm not going to live a numb life any longer. I'm going to stand in the power of God, the very one who created me, the very one who called me. I'm going to live in His power. So when it comes to living in this way, of course, we've got to know God's Word, which is why we're going to continue the theme here this morning just a few moments we're going to get up from this place and we're just going to just give over that worship center to God special time of anointing if you will, just dedication to the Lord of that future worship space I want you to think about, you were handed a card earlier in your program, there's some steps here in terms of how to pray on the back side, you're going to see some suggested scriptures just to get you going but in the next two minutes as the band is playing, use this time to pray to reflect Think about what scriptures you might utilize as you're going to go over there and write that scripture on the floor. If you don't have a scripture in mind, write a prayer. Write a prayer that God will protect this church, use this church. Write a prayer. Friends, let's all take part. Let's remember that in the world we're living in right now, to be a Christian is not a cool thing. The world seems to be against us right now, and as a result, we need to be a church that knows how to stand against the power of the enemy, all that comes our way. So think about scriptures in terms of how we're going to make that stand and take that stand. Think about utilizing scriptures that talk about how we're going to follow Him and what that looks like to honor Him in our lives as a church. Think about scriptures that talk about how we're going to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Let's use this time to prepare our hearts. Let's pray. Choose some scriptures. In just a few moments, I'll come up and I'll lead us out. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the life of David, for the lessons that he's taught us here today. Help us to live those out, to be a people of faith that stands in faith. And Lord, this morning we can't help but just thank you because you have blessed us as a church, you've blessed us so much more than we can imagine. We thank you for the place we're in right now, for this youth center, God, for giving this to us. It's paid for. God, we thank you for your provision. And now, Lord, as we head out here and head over to the worship center, God, we pray, Lord, that it just be a holy moment for us as a church. That we would dedicate that spot to you. The very place where we hear your word and respond to it. The very place that we worship your name and proclaim the name of Jesus higher than all other names. So now, Lord, as we go out, our prayers be honoring to you. May the scriptures we write be honoring to you. May our hearts be honoring to you. And God, we thank you. We thank you in advance for blessing us, for using us. And now, Lord, we just want to bless you. We want to bless you with our words, and our prayers. And so may it be so. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And all God's people said, Amen. Come. Let's worship together.